0: Hey, hi, hello, welcome to Smoke Show, this is Claire. Today we're going to talk about scammers, but via the Firefest documentaries that came out like a while ago at this point. Um, if there's anything I love doing, it's talking about media on time. Um, <laughs> I Recently, my timely takes have... Um, not paid off well. I wrote a thing about BTS, and then, like, literally the next week, they were like, we're going to focus on solo stuff for a while, which, if you're interested in watching a very fun performance, I would recommend the J-Hope Wallapalooza set. He was great. The crowd was um, obviously very full of armies, so uh, they they went hard, and they knew all of the songs, and it's very fun to watch people enjoy the shit out of something, and it was a really great set, so there's my little bts plug right up at the top i got into another k-pop band and i didn't mean to um but i just really like this one dancer and now i have their songs stuck in my head but that's i'm not gonna get into that this whole different thing there's 13 of them it's too many people oh yeah oh but then my timely pop culture takes um they had a whole episode about taylor swift turns out climate criminal number one and here's like here's the thing about taylor's Um, private jet flights. I don't care if she's loaning out that plane. I don't think people should have private planes. And, like, here's the thing about, if I'm being honest about BTS, it's, like, a bummer that Jimin took a flight from South Korea to Chicago separately from the other flight, (laughs) the the other private plane. Like, they don't fly public. Um, But I, I understand that it's for safety reasons for a lot of these celebrities. But, like, I don't know. Maybe we need to demystify celebrities so that they can go on flights with everybody else and be treated like human beings, or Taylor Swift should build a bullet train. And I don't care if there's like the raya of trains. Like I I truly, at this point, I just want train transport. I'm willing to sacrifice a lot of my morals in order to make celebrities pay for bullet trains, because we need to bully them out of um, using private planes. It's very important that we do that. Private planes are some of the worst things for the environment. And like, I understand that um, I am calling for the tanking of the aeronautics industry, which is very ironic considering my family history, but I just, it's on its, it. You know, we can find better ways to do this. We can force them to build green engines. It has to be possible. Planes are so high in the sky, it has to be possible for them to be, like, solar powered. Like, we're just so lazy. That Onion article that's, like, (laughs) scientists remind people that solar power is ready to go at any point. Like, it is becoming so fucking frustrating to just not see people take seriously, like, how quickly we need climate change. And, like, I'm going to say this next part quietly because I never trust that my window is fully open. But my neighbor uses a leaf blower to blow dry cars. And it is is definitely not a green leaf blower. And I learned a thing about leaf blowers, which is that the carbon emissions of a leaf blower after 10 minutes is the same as driving a pickup truck from New York City to Alaska it's so many carbon emissions. And I hear him use it all the time because he runs like a little side business where he washes the cars using the um, like fire hydrant outside of my apartment. It's parked right outside my apartment. He's very loud, but he's also kind of like the neighborhood protector. This man is so fascinating to me. Anyway, I don't need to gossip about my neighbor on a podcast that I am putting out, but I just like, I need to talk to him about his leaf blower, but I have to like talk to him about something else first, because otherwise I'm just going to be this random person who's making like a huge demand and lifestyle change, but like he does not need to, like there has to be a better way. And like in New York, you can, you can, um, there was a whole thing where you could film idling trucks and like submit idling truck reports and get a bunch of money. And a bunch of dudes did it like very seriously and like did it every day and they got a ton of money. Now it's a lot harder, but anytime I see an idling truck, I'm like, is it idling? And you have to, like, film it idling for three minutes. So, And also, the truck drivers know that you're doing this and they really don't want you to do this. And it's kind of, like, sketchy because you have to, like, film the license plate and make sure that you can, like, hear the thing. Because, like, I'm sure they were getting a bunch of reports and they were, like, we can't confirm that the truck is on. Um, or, like, actually running because you can't see the, ex- you know, whatever. Uh, but there are so many idling trucks everywhere in New York. And the thing is, they don't need to idle. <laughs> um. And we shouldn't have cars in New York, which would solve the leaf blowing car thing. You know, just rip out all the cars and all my problems go away. Um, Public transport and trains. Like, I love that New York is a train town. We are a train town. Uh, New York City. (laughs) The town of (laughs) New York. Um, (laughs) But... We are a train city. We are a city of public transportation. I used to kind of joke that like we don't all fit above ground at the same time um, because there's so many people on the subway at any given time and like the subway ridership is not back up but it is still one of the most used subway systems in the world. Like it is atrocious the state of the New York City subway and I don't understand how it was easier for them to build the subway in like the early 1900s than it is for us to maintain and update it now like it just feels like there has to be an easier way or like a faster way we could figure out to install elevators I realize I'm saying this as if a bunch of like really smart people aren't physics and like engineer people who make this their entire career and I'm just being like it's got there's gonna be a better way but like There has to be, right? Like it's got to be like contracts and like getting people paid and like all of this other bullshit that would like go away if we all had UBI because I think people would actually like really enjoy doing jobs that would benefit everybody. And the fact that the New York City subway is not rideable for most disabled people or anybody who needs any kind of special accommodation is just atrocious considering how many people live here. And there used to be a really great program where you could call and get, like, a car to take you wherever you needed to go if you couldn't access your subway. And then they got rid of it during the pandemic, and it needs to come back. And Eric Adams is a terrible mayor, and Bill de Blasio. Oh, my God, Bill de Blasio dropped out of the race uh, for, like, New York District 10 or something. And he's like, I'm not being in politics anymore. And it's just – it feels like he – He's like saying I finally got the message, but I also think he's just lost really embarrassingly twice in a row and doesn't want to lose again right now. And like in four or five years and he forgets that feeling, it's going to sound really good to run. But like New York politics is just like so annoying right now. Like I just I feel like the government, like speaking of scammers. The government's full of scammers, like, on all sides. And it's really a bummer. Like, Nancy Pelosi, why is she selling stocks? I understand that I started off by criticizing a Democrat, but, like, oh, my God. we The, the Republicans are, like, fucked, right? Like, it's fucked. <laughs> There's no defense of that bullshit. Like, they don't even try to pretend that they have any morals or values anymore. Like, how do you defend voting against veterans? They're just, like, lying. And I think it's getting to the point where, like, Fox News is starting to, like, kind of back off and, like, have more people on. And, I, like, I know that, like, Jon Stewart is not, like, a huge, you know, democratic voice to have on. And he's made a lot – he used to make a lot of friends with Fox people and, like, try to show both sides. And I th- – truly, I watched so much Daily Show growing up and I always kept the Bill O'Reilly interviews. I don't need to see Bill O'Reilly made human. That man is a monster. And then he was proved to be a monster in a that we – Had probably suspected, but never said. So Fox News is full of predators. That's true, too. But Rupert Murdoch is, like, starting to, like, maybe not like where the Republican Party is going. And I was talking about this with a friend the other day. And we were talking about, like, do we think that Rupert Murdoch is backing off because he's trying to, like, sell the New York Post? And so, like, the New York Post is running, like, anti-Trump op-eds right now. Like, or, like, they ran, like, one or two. Like, I don't want to make it seem like the New York Post is suddenly anti-Trump. Because, oh, my God, I watched a documentary about... Um, The New York Post and page six, and the gossip reporters. And it is not I wouldn't recommend it. It's on Showtime. If you want to watch it, I think it's called drama or gossip. I'm not sure. It's like four hours long. It is such a weird, like there's so much Trump in there. Honestly, Trump also shows up a lot in the Firefest documentaries. and I, I think it was because he was president at the time that the Firefest was happening, and that was a whole thing of scammers. Like, um, uh, <laughs> the same friend and I often are like, we just will suddenly remember a name of somebody from the Trump administration and just say it to each other and like try to work backwards and figure out like what part of it they were. Like we could not remember the name Rince Priebus for like three weeks and we finally remembered it like the other day. And it was such a miracle because it is so hard to look up who was who because all of them were bad people. So it's like impossible to figure out like what did that guy do? The January six hearings should have been at a better time. Um, if you're interested in listening to why exactly the January 6th hearings are not what they should be, I would really recommend the podcast Gaslit Nation. And, like, it's by two women who are um, incredible experts on, like, authoritarianism and dictatorships. One of them just released a documentary about the Ukraine, and one of them is a writer of the scariest book I've ever read called, like... um it's about, like, how the American government it, was ruled for four years by a crime syndicate masquerading as a as a government and how it's an international crime syndicate. And you know all the players and I, I just think that, like, the era of the scammer makes sense that it was with the guy who was a scammer and, like, I think with Trump we, like, didn't take him seriously and all of that stuff and it's much more insidious and, like, you can make an argument that he's been under certain thumbs for so long that, like, the rise of his um, fame and, like, name specific forward stuff was a political move even back then like not to put on my tinfoil hat but like you know we know that the the number one thing in politics is just name recognition it's why incumbents even incumbents who don't do all of that much for their districts and like again incumbent winning should not be like automatic but like we're really bad at getting people to care about politics and when you get into the booth and you know the name because you've seen the name a lot even if it's negative press coverage it's still press coverage so you know the name it's why bumper stickers are a thing it's why bernie sanders stuck his name on the front of the burlington free press when he got elected in like 2008 to congress to the senate like it, it's such a easy one. Also, Bernie Sanders ran against a man called Rich Tarrant, and all of the signs in town were vandalized to say Rich Tyrant, and I just, like, <laughs> it was such a little little state that could love Vermont. Um, turns out, fun fact, I now work for the 52nd Vermont B Corp, and it is the most B Corps of any state, like, the per, per capita. Not the most B Corps of any state, but like per capita, which I always find a fun statistic. Fun fact, Ireland drinks the most tea per capita, which is a surprise. Not, It's a surprise because of how many cultures drink so much fucking tea and take tea I think like a lot more seriously like when Irish people drink tea like not to say they don't take it seriously but like they're drinking like berries out of bags like nobody's like spending time to create like a beautiful like mix of like leaves or like anything like that it's like do you want like caffeinated or do you want (laughs) non-caffeinated like not to say that there are not Irish people who don't love their teas and I love all tea made in Ireland especially because like milk in Ireland is so good dairy abroad it's the thing I miss most I'll never, like, I buy Kerrygold butter and all of that, but, like, it's never the same. I would give anything to have, like, two French yogurt options that are actually from France. I just, we just, oh. <laughs> And I lived in Vermont, which does have great dairy, but it's just, there's something, it's, there's something missing. And part of that is just the amount of like fat included in a yogurt that is made in France and the um, life quality of the cow. But anyway, scammers, Trump, fame, fraud, Um, the page six, the documentary, it's a lot. It relates a lot to Rupert Murdoch, obviously, because he owns the New York Post and like it's kind of been like a pet project of his and the new york post was really instrumental in the rise of trump because they he rose up through the gossip pages like it traces his relationship with this the most famous gossip columnist at the post in this documentary And he just he shows up in so much fucking pop culture shit. It's so annoying. Like when you're watching Sex in the City, you have to like I I don't love the episode that he's in anyway, so it's not like a hard skip. But it's just like annoying. Like he shows up in everything, or people mention him in a bunch of stuff. Like I feel like that entire time he was president, he never stopped showing up anywhere. I don't really want to talk about him anymore because honestly, talking about him kind of freaks me out. He's just he when you see a picture, like I I feel like I consciously I very consciously avoided his voice for a long time, and I was pretty successful in that. But like. And I didn't look at pictures of him that often either. But when I see them, I'm like, wow, he really was orange. He is so orange. But anyway, I would recommend listening to Gaslit Nation for their takes on the January 6th hearings. Because I think they're some of the most complete in terms of tracing the timeline and figuring out, like, why they're operating the way they're operating. Why nobody's charging them. Why Merrick Garland sucks. Um, He sucks so bad. I hate Merrick Garland. Uh, (laughs) But... (laughs) The January 6th hearings, I think it's also important to remember that, like, Republicans have a vested interest in trying to, like, save the reputation of their party beyond the fringe, which is why, like, Liz Cheney being heralded as, like, some kind of, like, hero of democracy is fucking insane. Her father is Dick Cheney. Somebody made a joke of, like, if you need somebody shot in the face, call a Cheney. And, like, um, family, po- family, dyna- like, I hate dynamicism. In- dynacism. I hate nepotism in politics. I hate family dynasties. I, I fucking hate it so much. We should not have family dynasties. I truly think like if you have an immediate relative who has been president, you're not allowed to be in politics. I think it would get a lot of people out of politics. Like how many Kennedys actually want to go into politics and how many just feel like it's kind of like their thing that they're allowed to do? Like, I understand that like nepotism babies is like a really big topic right now. And speaking of nepotism babies, all of them advertise the fire fest it's all coming together scammers are all in one big fucking marketing loop that they're like making a ton of money on the thing is like everybody's a nepotism baby everybody like everybody in hollywood right now because like it was so easy right like they were like bred to do it it sounds that sounds gross like that sounds very like but like their parents were like it like and i think nepotism babies face this whole thing where they have to then be like well i'm actually very talented and sure sure you are but it doesn't mean that they're actually more talented than somebody in their hometown who whose parents didn't have an agent. Like, it's fucking – I'm so glad that Drew Barrymore is having, like, a renaissance as a talk show host and everything. But, like, whatever she talks about her childhood, I'm truly, like, I know that you're a Barrymore. And so, like, we can't expect your childhood to have been ch- – childhood to have been normal but like what was happening that all of this was allowed who where was her parents like it is so alarming to hear and child stars and things like that like it's we're now having pretty open conversations about mental health which is why I think we know a lot more about celebrity but like when we look at people who are really desperate for fame and like fame without a talent attached I think is the scariest kind and like I think that that applies to most scammers. Looking at Billy McFarlane, looking at, like, Donald Trump is a nepotism baby. And as far as, like, the real estate industry, it was handed to him, right? Like, Billy McFarlane, not an nepo baby as far as I can tell. But, like, he didn't actually invent anything. And, like, the st- like um, that skipped around too much. I don't know. Clearly, I'm talking a mile a minute. So hopefully this is not just absolute chaos to listen to. Um, I'm so sorry if it is. I did not expect to be talking this fast. I honestly thought about getting an energy drink, thought about getting a soda. And then I was like, it's late. Like, it's not super late. It's like 7 o'clock right now. And I've been recording for like 20 minutes. (laughs) That's so specific. You definitely needed all of those details. Um, But like, I thought about having an energy drink. This is also not that fascinating. I did buy a bunch of Celsius because it was cheap. It was on sale. And now I have a bunch of it. But I'm worried about drinking too many energy drinks because I do think that like, heart issues from energy drinks is going to be a major thing in our generation. Like, there's just no way it's not. And I think we haven't started to really see the effects of, like, the millennial diet. I don't mean to say this like this, but, like, I think there are a lot of people who, like, make energy drinks like their personality. Like, people in college, I think, like, coffee used to be a personality trait, as per Gilmore Girls. Um, Like we used to really center a lot of media around the consumption of coffee and think that people who consumed coffee were cool and then it kind of looped to snobby. And then we hated Starbucks for a while. And then everybody realized that actually things that girls like that we hate on are usually like pretty good popular and good for a reason and now starbucks is having a resurgence and now they're union busting and i just want to talk about the union busting that they're doing in ithaca new york for a second because i went to college in ithaca um i went to ithaca i didn't go to cornell i'm not trying to be like i went to college in ithaca one of them So there were workers at the Starbucks store in College Town, and they um, had a drain that management wasn't fixing. And so after, like, repeated things about this, like, overflow drain that was dangerous and against code, they walked out. And, like, within the week, the, the drain was fixed. And then they started to unionize, and the store got shut down. And the thing about Cornell is that it's an incredibly walked campus, and this is some of the best real estate in terms of foot traffic in upstate New York. And Svante, who is the mayor, former mayor of Ithaca, who went to Cornell and was elected mayor at like 22, he was a very good mayor. Um, he was talking about just like the foot traffic and like the fact that there are like 15,000 people who walk by that store every day. It was one of like the best Starbucks in terms of money makers in the country. And so for Starbucks to be so dedicated to union busting, like obviously we know that people union bust because unions work so well that it's worth risking a lot of reputational and like literal monetary damage. Like they would rather have no store than a unionized store. And that just really speaks to the workers abuses that Starbucks is currently inflicting on people and also it's bullshit and also they're not going to have a hard time filling that storefront and then i think it would be really great if everybody in ithaca really rallied behind like a fully unionized already store or um a workers owned thing because there are really cool places in ithaca like the um green star co-op that are worker owned so ithaca is pretty neat like that we'll say that okay Cornell was cool. It had an art museum. Um, One time I took mushrooms and walked around the art museum and then walked home. It was great. It was my only experience on mushrooms. I didn't love them. Um, I don't like drugs that taste bad. It's just not that fun anymore. And I'm not an uppers girl. I'm just, like, that's the thing with, like, energy drinks and all of that. Like, bringing it full circle. Bringing it back around. Energy drinks are just not really my thing because I don't think uppers are my thing. I already talk a mile a minute. I'm already quite, like, Going all over the place Couldn't even like Come up with a term Just made a noise I, It's not It's just It's you know So I don't need More of this I don't need this Turned up to an 11 I need it turned down It's why I like Weed is great It's why I think The spliff made me A little bit nutso Because it had A little tiny bit of cigarette in it and by a tiny bit I mean like one flick roll back and forth like so little and it was a tiny split it wasn't even that big anyway I'm gonna start talking about the Firefest documentaries because I watched both of them in a row which is the original way I consumed them the day they came the days they came out like I waited one day and then I watched them back to back and I watched them in the same order I did back then because I think it is the correct order to view them in because I think you should go into the one on Netflix with a healthy amount of skepticism about what you're about to see and then it makes a lot more sense, to be honest. So I don't really want to go beat for beat. I think the. So, um, if you don't know what Firefest is, just, just in case, or if you need a refresher on what happened. So, Firefest was a festival that Billy McFarlane came up with to, and it was originally planned to advertise the Fire app, which was an app that would connect regular regular people to celebrities that they wanted to book so it would be like hey i need you know this person for a birthday it's very super sweet my super sweet 16 vibes of like i need this famous person to perform at my kid's birthday or like i need i think like businesses would actually probably use this more than anybody but anyway the fire app seems cool i think they tried eventually to make the idea again like jaw rule just tried it again but i don't think it went anywhere then again it could be the largest app in book it high-end talent media, and I'm just not somebody who books high-end talent, media, you know, so, um, I would have no idea, but, um, Billy McFarlane planned a festival, and he invited a bunch of the biggest influencers at the time, so these documentaries come out in 2019, Firefest happened in 2017, so, um, Basically, it was supposed to be, like, the new Coachella, the next big thing in festival culture. And I think we were kind of at the tail end of festival culture. Like, it had gotten as big as it was going to get in those years. Coachella is a plague. Like, and I think people are trying to kind of reclaim the oversaturation of marketing and media by making things authentic. Again, I think we kind of saw this with Instagram of people being like, I'm not trying with my Instagram anymore. Um, which is fine, but I think there's—it's impossible to be authentic online because it's an—it's an inauthentic medium. Of course, it's only your highlight reels. Like, what is your first thought if you see somebody posting a picture of themselves crying? It's like, why are you taking a picture of yourself crying? Like, that's you know, like we shouldn't have that kind of compulsive behavior. But then it does manipulate our minds into thinking that everybody's living a great life. <laughs> Back to Firefest, Billy McFarlane, Firefest was a festival started by Billy McFarlane in 20... It, like, was supposed to happen in 2017. These documentaries came out in 2019. And, like, honestly, watching anything from 2019 just feels like, oh, wow, like, culture really shifted so quick after this because the documentaries are very heavily focused on millennial culture. And I think this kind of was, like, the apex of, like... Oversaturated Instagram influencer marketing to millennials. Like, I think this is when most Instagrams looked like that millennial look. I think tech Instagram. Um, culture was really big like everybody in this documentary is either in in these documentaries is either an influencer who got like kind of paid to go who says cringy shit on camera like my brand is positivity and wellness and like just like kind of like random you know like things that aren't real it's just like you can't say like people follow me because I'm pretty people follow me because they like the way my apartment looks like people just didn't want to admit like I think it's all parts of it I'm not trying to diminutize the pretty girls on Instagram I just think that there's no way for a very hot or very pretty girl except to be like I post thirst traps and then people are you're still open up to criticism and I feel like I'm criticizing them even though I'm very glad that they've turned that ability into making so much money for themselves and I think that influencer marketing really did give a lot of power to female content creators and women as consumers because they do make up the by far the largest percentage of the consumer market like something wild in America like 80% of all purchase decisions are made by women and women are also much better and more polite shoppers. So there's a, th- okay, so th- th- fun fact. Um, if there is two of something left on a shelf and a woman needs to buy two of them, she is more likely to just buy one. But if a man needs two, he'll buy two. And I I realize I'm not, like, the, I when this study happened, they didn't ask non-binary people what was happening. But This was like an observed pattern. So in the pet store that I was the buyer at, I started, um, we sold more bulls in one month than we had, I think in like the year prior because I just ordered 10 of each because we kept having sets out there and we weren't selling them in twos. But most people want to have matching bulls. It was just that like, we had a wildly high percentage of um, women compared to men in terms of like people who came in to purchase, especially when it came to like dog and cat purchases. So I realized that the people buying bulls were probably nervous to buy two of the same one because then they would leave the shelf empty which is also why if you stock the shelf with like more like we were a big enough pester, so the whole point was stocking it with more because if there were five bags we would have people who bought three in one go you know so anyway, that's a little bit on purchasing power and women. And the Firefest was definitely marketed. So I think the way the Firefest is marketed is so interesting. And it's something that they obviously talk about, but they talk about it from this way of like, fuck Jerry's a genius in the documentary Made by Fuck Jerry, which like by the way, just up top, fuck Jerry. Oh, I should finish, I should finish the timeline. I'm such a nightmare. I'm so sorry. Okay. So <laughs> I should finish the timeline. That is such a nightmare. Um, if you've been waiting on, like, wait, I'm still confused as to what, to what Firefest is. So, Firefest was created by Billy McFarlane and Ja Rule. They were promoting an app. The app was supposed to book talent. That talent was allegedly then booked for this festival, which was supposed to take place on a resort or a remote bohemian island. And in the original ad, it said previously owned by Pablo Escobar. And that was obviously supposed to make it very cool and ignored the fact that Pablo Escobar was a terrible person who had a lot of things that resulted in very real tragic consequences for a lot of families. Um, which is why all of these people are such phonies. Like phony is truly just the word that comes to mind for me when I look at like a lot of Instagram era stuff. And I think a lot of people like started authentically, but then it all just became a copy of a copy of a copy. They were throwing this festival. They flew out a bunch. Uh, they flew out all the top Instagram influencers of 2019. So Gigi, Bella, Chanel Amon, um, um, everybody was kind of Emily Rodakowski was there like everybody who Kendall Jenner I think got flown out like it's it's the the weight that they were able to pull at that point like great job um really impressive a group of people which is why they got them there and also why it was so successful when they marketed it because it was just a bunch of like really beautiful women in bikinis on a remote island and it didn't have anything about the stages or where you were staying but the website had beautiful sketches of cabanas and people were booking huge pavilions for all of their friends because like it's not just enough to go to a festival anymore. You go glamping at a festival. And I went to one festival. I had the worst time of my life. Like I love the people I went with. I had a great time seeing some of the bands with them. But like festival vibes are not for me. They're advertising that you know there's going to be private planes taking you from America to the remote island that they bought in the Bahamas. It turned out to be a fraud because they lost the island. They had, like, said they bought it. They hadn't bought it. So they ended up moving the festival to this, like, cement parking lot that was in a undeveloped part of a sandals resort on, like, the biggest island of the Bahamas. You're still in the Bahamas, but it's not the beach you think it's going to be. Then they didn't have a stage built. Then they didn't have any accommodations built. They eventually find FEMA disaster relief tent kind of dome things. It's, uh, they set those up. People thought they were going to like a beautiful, like they're spending thousands of dollars on these tickets, which is why nobody cared that these people got scammed because we don't care about people who have expendable income to spend on things that we consider silly or stupid or we in hindsight feel like we obviously knew were scams. Um, and the thing is, there are a lot of red flags with scams, but I do really just want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Although I do think that anytime you're spending over $1,000 on something, you should just really do your due diligence and maybe just sit out the first year. But FOMO is something that they point out is was like a very big part of the culture at the time. And Gia Tolentino is in the fire fraud documentary. And I think she's very like just, you know, she's very Gia Tolentino. She's very insightful. And so she's talking about um, FOMO with with like that era um, of just, and how a lot of events are just pretext for really good Instagrams, which is, I think I talked about this with like the Missy Elliott Museum that I went to once, just like an absolute nightmare. Like give me actual substance. So people spend a ton of money. They show up to this festival And all of the musical acts pull out at the last minute because none of them have, like, been getting paid. All of the breaches of contracts have been happening. But also, there's no stage for them to perform on because nothing was ever really built. They just tried their best, it seems. One of the documentaries mentions that there was Amazon boxes everywhere. And I'm like, what were they buying from Amazon? Like... I have so many questions about the logistics that none of the documentaries answer. I've, I like, and I've tried to find it a uh, like a podcast about it, and I'm really surprised that there isn't one because every good documentary has an even better podcast behind it. Oh, so people show up to the Bahamas. There is no festival. They um, allow them to stay in the FEMA tents overnight, even though a lot of them are rained out. It's very dangerous. Like, people were being, it, these are not, like, the thing is, like, not everybody going to this fucking festival is a stand-up person, which is why, like, you have to hope that everybody's kind of, like, we're all on this boat together. But some people were assholes and, like, pissed on the tents and stuff to try to make people not sleep in them. So anyway, people spend a very scary night outside where just, like, it's it's unsafe because they also had all of their belongings for a festival with them, which means, like, people brought stuff that they really cared about because people spend thousands of dollars preparing for these things as well or hundreds of dollars. Free People was just festival wear for a while and that's why Free People had a big downfall and now they don't update their blog apparently anymore and like the Free People girls were a really big deal right before that time and it helped with festival wear. Anyway people stayed overnight then they tried to get off the island and go back and there was a whole bunch of drama with the plane and at some point the bohemian... Flight people locked them all in a room because, like, the, they needed them not to leave, but they had to change over the crew because of FAA regulations. It's a whole thing. So, people didn't care that the rich kids got scammed because there, I think with scams, you have to, if you have an acceptable target, people really will forgive you much more easily. I think with scammers, like, and here's the thing about scammers too, is we lump a lot of scammers together and they all commit very different acts. Like, Here's my ranking of the four scammers that if you type in one, a lot of them pop up together and I'll get to the, the to number four on the list when I get there. But like Elizabeth Holmes, worst scammer of all of them, fucked around with people's medical information. She gave medical malpractice like a whole new name. It was her idea dropping out of college. They, all of these fucking tech people, they talk about this a lot in the Billy thing are all, like, college dropouts. And I get that it's because, like, Steve – I get that it's because Mark Zuckerberg was a college dropout. But it's, like, the only reason it's impressive he was a dropout was he dropped out of Harvard, where it's, like, why would you drop out of Harvard? You'll always have a better future if you graduate Harvard, right? It's the same thing with Stanford. But, like, in the Elizabeth Holmes documentary, the – um woman professor who just like fucking hates Elizabeth Holmes and like knew she was an idiot from the moment she opened her mouth about like a microbiotics patch. That sounds really mean but I just love this woman. She's very straightforward in the documentaries and she's very like I have given a lot of talented students a big leg up. She was not a talented student but Elizabeth Holmes went to trial not because of the medical malpractice but because of who she got on her board which was like the reason she was able to do so much is because she got a bunch of fucking war criminals from the American government to be on her board and then of course um, those guys actually really care about their money even though they're like all 99 years old. And yeah, I just think that Elizabeth Holmes is the like did real harm and like could have done a lot more harm if people hadn't spoken up who were very brave to speak up. And like um, if like it's wild to me that Walgreens didn't pull it when they were like, what do you mean we have to get people to like do full blood draws? Like there were so many missteps there. S- Number two, Billy McFarlane. These are the scammers of like the 2019 era, I guess. Um, he stranded a bunch of people on an island overnight in an unsafe thing. And, like, he only did it out of, like, ego. He could have canceled it. There were so many opportunities people were telling him the whole time. He committed really big wire fraud. Um, here's the thing about wires, I don't trust them for a single fucking second, not after the con man in my life used to use them all the time for nefarious purposes, um, not when I was like still friends with them, but like, oh my god, wire drama, the worst drama, like committing wire fraud, such an old school move, Billy McFarlane, and that's what he got dinged on, um... Then Anna Delvey, here's the thing, I don't really care that a luxury hotel, like, missed some payments, but I do think that she scammed a lot of people who, like, didn't have the money. Like, I, if you want to go out to dinner with your rich friends and kind of, like, not offer to split the bill, like does that make you a good person? I don't know. You should, I guess, offer. But, like, sometimes rich people are really fucking weird about their money. And even though they know that you only get paid, like, minimum wage, they're like, oh, no, pay me back. And, like, you're like, you said to take an Uber. I was fine taking the train. So I get that that kind of shit happens. But, like, Annadelie, putting, like, making her friends go on, you know, vacations abroad with her and then forcing them to put it on their Amex card because the hotel is withholding their passports unless somebody fucking pays for it. And somebody had a real big limit on their credit card for that one. Um, She didn't deserve to have that money stolen from her. And I understand that everybody's looking at it like, she's a fucking idiot. But it's really hard to tell when you're getting scammed sometimes, especially when it wouldn't make sense for this person to have lied about all the things they lied about. Anna Delvey just a fucking liar. But like her whole like art scene thing, you know, like I don't know that there were there was many people who were damaged materially beyond emotion. And I understand that that's not a victimless crime. I'm not saying that at all. I was damaged emotionally and slightly financially by a con man, but not financially or emotionally in comparison to what he did to other people. And I understand broken arm, broken leg, but like it doesn't make it feel any better. But like it just, um, there's levels. There's levels. Uh, Billy McFarlane was mean to people and, you know, stranded over 100 people like on an island and didn't pay like multiple people. Like we focus a lot on the people who were scammed. Um, Who showed up to this concert and we don't talk about all of the bohemian workers that were scammed and scammed out of a lot more money a lot more and like labor like their lives like time effort money stress like the kids who showed up to the island who were stuck there overnight and had a bad night sleeping like I'm not downplaying that at all it was super dangerous it is not okay that that happened. But they committed like 48 hours of their life. And then they got a lot of uh, compensation in terms of like, honestly, it was probably better engagement that it was a really big disaster instead of a mediocre festival. I don't think anybody would have watched those vlogs. Um, These people got to be inducted. Like there was a lot of like, you know, I want to say recompense and I don't think that's a word. They got a lot of, like, um, compensation for their, for their, like, you know, misery or whatever. They got a lot of attention. They got a lot of shit out of it. The bohemian workers are not featured in the documentary except for the Netflix documentary features the woman who, like, fed the entire crew the entire time they were there and then also took care of all of, like, the drunk screaming children who they were, like, pouring alcohol down the throats of. And she had a happy ending, not in the documentary, but in terms of like, once people watch the documentary, there was a GoFundMe to like, get her money. And I think that really was like a beautiful thing that documentaries can do is bring attention to things. I do think the documentaries are interesting because it's two people telling the same story. They're obviously focusing on very different things. fire fraud. I can't confirm this, but I'm pretty sure it was like paid for by the guy who ran the fire fraud Twitter, who was like, he's like a VC guy. He's in both documentaries and he gives me the worst vibes. He thinks he's really funny and he's just not. Fire fraud is full of a lot of like visual jokes and gags that I just fell so flat for me. It was like, you know, when you can tell that somebody was like, Hmm, how do I put this? Um, House of Cards felt like it was written by somebody who had watched The West Wing a lot, but just wasn't nearly as talented of a writer. So they were like, well, this happens, and so you just say it. Like, I think we're missing a lot of subtlety in writing these days. But I think with um, fire fraud, like there's a lot of like visual gags that make me go like, oh, this person like grew up on arrested development and like really thinks they're like hitting it with the memes. Like, I don't know who made them, but it just feels very cringy. Fire fraud feels like it was made by Gen X people to explain millennials to everyone but millennials and fire the greatest party that never happened by jerry media is made by jerry media millennial culture extraordinaire for millennials to be like can you guys believe this happened like it's not talking down to millennials in the same way and it's not talking about them like they're fucking zoo animals that you need to like observe to figure out like why do they like that shade of pink so much like it's The fire fraud documentary just has like, it's weird vibes, bad pacing, but honestly, overall, probably telling a more complete and like honest story because it's not being made as a puff piece to rehabilitate their image. However, fire fraud committed a big old sin in the fact that they they paid Billy McFarlane to show up on camera. And I don't know that it was fucking necessary that he was there. I don't think he adds anything. The thing about compulsive liars is it's actually not that interesting to see them squirm or lie and like cuz they don't really squirm. Like he kind of does, like he has like a few like nervous things that he does, but I also really didn't like the inclusion of his girlfriend. I felt like that was like um I don't know what she was in the documentary for other than for us to like think poorly of her or something. Like I don't I don't know if they were trying to make her sympathetic, but I don't think they were. I got like just weird vibes in that documentary about like I think they also thought that the kids who went to Firefest were really fucking stupid and not like consumers who had been taken for a really big ride. And I think, again, that target with your scam thing really matters. Because, like, if we don't have sympathy for the mark, well, then we don't care that it was a scam. We think those people are idiots. We think they deserved it. Like, I think that Instagram is the perfect place to run a scam like this because you really only did need to have five minutes of beautifully shot footage that you could edit into a sizzle reel. And the way that they marketed Firefest was really fucking brilliant. I'll give them that. They had everybody post every influencer and it was like a huge mass campaign of influencers they don't get into how they got them so I did some research and one of the guys in the documentary truly just gave me like I've seen this guy on like a website before um vibes and so I looked him up and it turned out he had dated Selena Gomez in 2016 and he was friends with Gigi Hadid so my guess is that that guy is how they had the connection And weirdly enough, he also, his first job was at Onaya Swimwear and we were what is like an Instagram influencer who I also think is kind of a low key scammer. Um, I think all of like the fast fashion lines are low key scams. I'm not saying that she is like a particularly, no, actually she scams people and then she like rips off other people's designs and then sells them as her own. But like, I don't, she's never like, I don't know. I don't think she's ever collected money and not delivered a product. She just is like a not a good person, I would say. But he worked in Onaya Swimmer. Her line is made by Onaya. It's a small world after all of people that I think are kind of fishy. Anyway, he is definitely the connection, but they don't get into like how they got to these models or what they were paid or anything like that. And Everybody posted an orange square, and so it was to disrupt your Instagram feed. And what I think is so smart about that is, like, their target audience was not people who were just following, like, one person. Like, to follow just Gigi or, like, just a few, like just Taylor Bieber. Like, there are so many people who just would follow one or two of those people, but their target audience were people who were following, like, every level of influencer, like, people who just needed to know what was being posted, know what was going on. Like, I think we're living in an era that's really great for nosy people, and I am a nosy person! But the thing about Instagram following is, like, sometimes... Like, um, Caroline Calloway finishes off my scammer list, by the way, and I once talked for like two fucking hours about caroline calloway now i i have not listened to that episode i i don't think ever after i edited it it was so fucking long um but i know that i said some dumb shit about her in there because i was in the trenches of a reddit snark community and it's so easy to lose perspective with those like i don't think i wasn't i never was posting i don't post on reddit (sighs) Um, That would be my line crossing, just for me. I'm just not a a sharer, and that way I'm a lurker. I'm not a poster. I like reading criticism. I like being a part of the drama. I like knowing what people are saying, but I don't feel my voice is necessary in most situations like that. I prefer instead to deliver it straight to people who want to listen to, holy shit, I've been recording for 50 minutes um, worth of this content. So um, I think that I don't know, like we grew up in a world of scams, right? Like <laughs> the fucking 2000 election was a scam Enron was a scam. Pets.com, scam. Pets.com, I think about like, you're gonna take another left turn all the time. Nickelodeon, so it turns out, I didn't know this, Ronald Reagan is also responsible for why our generation is so fucking adept to marketing. We don't talk about like how, dist- like we need to start, there should be a nineteen. 19- thousand part documentary about every single thing that ronald reagan managed to make worse in america it is incredible how long that list is turns out he deregulated children's media cartoons in the 80s and then in the 90s guess what we had the rise of nickelodeon and i love nickelodeon i watched so much nickelodeon as a kid and uh those commercials are in fact burned in my brain and like oh my god there was once a sociology study about like kids nagging their parents and like parents participated in this challenge they're in this challenge in this study (laughs) it's TikTok challenge how many times a day do my kids nag me that probably is a TikTok challenge I hate mommy content I just get your kids off the internet if your kids are on the internet I think you're like a bad parent (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's fu- there are so many ways to share pictures of your kids with people who you know, and if you are running a public account for your child and like selling in like photo packets of them to like random strangers on the internet, like I find that so creepy, and like I just there are no protections for kids online. And I'm really worried about it. Anyway, when we were kids, <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, commercials started airing all the time for kids' media, but the sociology thing was, like, they had parents write down how many times their child nagged them to buy a certain product, and they thought that they were collecting this for, like, you know, normal purposes, but this was, in fact, a sociology study run by, like, children's like toy companies to figure out better marketing tactics to make kids nag their parents so the way that all of the commercials in the 90s were developed for kids was to like highlight all of the reasons that you should tell your parents you want them and then they played the same commercials over and over again so like and especially in the 90s with all those like compilation cds there are so many songs that like i'll hear a line from and i will start singing like another song from a compilation cd but, like, Floam, like, I could name so many of the Nickelodeon fucking Rock'em Sock'em. Like, there was um, Sock'em Boppers. There was so many, and they were all, like buy kids for kids like it was kids marketing and like a lot of um nickelodeons used to have like get your parents permission before you log on like that was like a big voice that i remember being on the commercials all the time but anyway commercials i think it's why our generation finds commercials to be kind of like an art form and like i think a lot of millennial humor comes through marketing and media and like tongue-in-cheek stuff like anyway um so uh marketing influencer marketing influencer marketing was really big it's why they were able to do this just by having some fucking influencers who they knew that people thought were cool and they were like oh Gigi Hadid's going to this thing I should go to the thing and then I'll be cool like Gigi Hadid and i think that that level of influence is really powerful and Influencer marketing gets written off as something kind of like silly, I think a lot of the time, because it is, say with me, mostly done by women. And we what? Hate women! So unfortunately, everything that women do that is revolutionary or really important or completely changing the landscape of how like our brains fucking work, we just ignore. I think influencer marketing is mostly by women for women. Like YouTube for years, I don't talk about, I need to do an entire episode on the beauty, on the OG, beauty gurus of YouTube. I'm not talking about Jaclyn Hill. I'm talking about Juicy Star 07 and all of the other like rich kids who used to sit in their bedroom and talk to you about MAC wedge eyeshadow. But w- I think like because everybody kind of (laughs) the thing about influencers is like the reason that so many people wanted to go into influencer marketing is because it seemed like a really fun job but like the original influencers were people who had cool jobs who were cool girls like the original influencers the ones who like we all started following on instagram like they were like girls in like major cities who had a cool job and like went out and they were juggling it all and we wanted to see like what they were doing and then people thought their hair was cool so they were asking them what do you put in your cool hair and it wasn't like a brand had sent them a thing it was just like i want to be a cool girl and if i can't be one from the inside out i will buy the products that cool girls use and that will buy proxy make me a cool girl and that is the lie that marketing has sold us and it is the lie of influencer marketing and it worked really well because of course you're more likely to buy a thing if your friend recommends it to you rather than an ad from a stranger, or even a celebrity. And... Now, none of them are your friends because they're just influencers and they don't have real lives. And so their lives are like documenting the fact that they are anxious about the fact that they don't have jobs that they feel like they can go to and contribute like meaningful things to. Because I think people need their jobs to be meaningful, even in some small way, in order to like provide the service. And I think that's why so many people are miserable in tech jobs and jobs that are just like one of the five roles at a company that really doesn't like five roles. 600 jobs at a big company right like that just do not need to exist that exist in order for other people to feel powerful that exist in order for things to be pushed around because nothing is actually being made at a lot of these places and like vc venture capital funding stuff like we are we are nearing the end of it thank god but also the havoc it has wrought and at firefest was one of them FireFest was completely VC funded. This was all bullshit tech marketing, jargon, blah, blah. And Billy was really good at speaking it. And so that's why people gave him a bunch of money. And like, people gave him money and he made a great sizzle reel. Like, honestly, that sizzle reel is so good. And I do need to get into Fuck Jerry. Fuck, there's so much to say about this. And I don't want this to be super long, but Fuck Jerry is terrible. There was a whole campaign on Twitter that I'm sure still exists, or if you type it in, like, I'm sure an AV Club article will pop up about Fuck Fuck Jerry. But... Fuck Jerry was a guy with a meme account who used to steal memes and jokes from comedians and then post them as his own with no credit. And it was the same thing as like another meme account of the time that became very big and, you know, maybe Babe Rose and all that was this guy, the fat Jewish. And he also used to just steal jokes really blatantly. And so comedians eventually like, kind of realize if they spoke up at the same time about this they could make it like a thing same thing with like Barstool or any of the places that like scrape content Lad Bible, all of those that just take other people's shit post it and people are lazy and so they just want an amalgamated feed and they don't want to like a lot of like Twitter especially if you follow comedians like not every tweet is a joke and so it's easy to follow these like you know It's like It's like how BuzzFeed Used to just troll Tumblr For the funniest Tumblr post And put them in a fucking thing It's hard to start a Tumblr It's hard to know who to follow It's hard to find Like people who have blogs That like are I'm saying this as if anybody's going to go to Tumblr and like start a new one. I love my Tumblr. I never left. Of course, I never left. But like, um, I didn't use it for a while, but like, I'm so glad I stayed around. I, my blog is so funny. I'll go back in time and be like, whoa, we were real into Kevin Spacey for a minute there. I have a terrible time with the celebrities that I find. If Lee Pace ever comes out as just not a good guy, I'm fucked. I've liked him for so long in terms of just, like, he seems like a nice guy. Jason Siegel, same thing. Like, I know that he's, like, a Judd Apatow boy, but, like, I just, I think he seems cool. Um, but, again, don't stand celebrities um, because it will always bite you in the ass, Taylor Swift, fucking climate criminal. One week after I fucking record, like, an hour long being, like, Taylor Swift's a great artist. She should be respected more for her music, but also I'm going to say that I think she's gay. Uh, that was a weird choice. So that was a weird choice to repeat then. But I and I don't because that's you know I'm making fun of my past self and not the idea of like outing somebody or speculating about somebody's sexuality, which I did last week. And I think that's fucking weird. If you've listened this far, you've gotten to the apology YouTube of the section of the fucking podcast. Um, fire only happened because of lack of regulations. Um, we need more regulations. We need regulations of the tech industry. We need more regulations of the VC industry. We should not have been able to have the taxi industry destroyed by Uber only for Uber to now, like, not be able to sustain the prices that they were giving because everybody's been operating in a deficit, but VC money was seemingly endless and Peter Thiel is VC money and I just think Peter Thiel is, like, the root of all evil and Gawker outing Peter Thiel in 2006, like, truly did skew us into the darkest timeline and, like, I'm not kidding about that and that's not great that I just said a thing. joke about, I like, But, like, I'm just saying, Peter Thiel being outed made him, like, a supervillain who then brought down Gawker Media and, like, fucked over a lot of like journalistic practices and standards. And if you don't know about futurism and what like Peter Thiel thinks the future is, is going to be, let me just haunt your fucking memories forever with, um, he thinks that we're all going to go to VR, like space pods and like interact in like VR, like the metaverse, like the reason that they're building that is because they genuinely like think that that is the future because these people don't know how to interact with people. Why have we allowed Mark Zuckerberg famously not great at social skill, Mark Zuckerberg, to run an entire media that dictated how we interact socially. That just feels bad. Feels bad. <laughs> anyway, he's a fucking scammer too. Like I know he like actually built stuff and coded it, but like sell out. It's so funny when you watch the social network and they're like ads are tacky Eduardo. <laughs> that's the whole fucking thing. Like, yeah, they did make it cool. And then they sold it out so hard that we all fled it. And then Instagram tried to be everything. And I got my, like, old nice Instagram back this week. I've been in that, like, full screen hell for, like, a month. I, like, stopped scrolling. It was too overwhelming. And I kept getting reels. And Instagram, unfortunately, knows that I like BTS. But, like, I never want to see a BTS reel. I will be honest. They are often very weird. And I (laughs) understand they're being made by, like, children. They're not for me. But there is a certain crossover that somehow has happened because I also looked at, like, cute desk stuff for a week on – like, I didn't even mean to. I just, like – I follow a lot of um – like, home accounts on Instagram, and then I was like, oh, I'm, like, redecorating my desk, like, I'll get some ideas. Anyway, now I am at the intersection of girls who like K-pop and girls who like cute desk accessories, and they have so many cute things, and they have so many mechanical keyboards that I'm jealous of, but they are also, all of their desks are covered in, like, BT21, and I think it's very cute, but it's so not me um, that it's not very helpful. But I do appreciate that they go hard and that they use their iPads for everything. It's, you can do so much on those things. It makes me want an iPad pencil so bad every time I see one. It's, I have pen envy. It's, if I see a really nice looking pen or like an inky, like, oh, I'm, I am that person. It is probably one of the only comments I've never left a comment on, like, a stranger's Instagram, but it is probably one of the only comments I would leave if I saw a pen that they did not name that I was like, I need to know what that is. That looks smooth. Uh, Why did I say that that way? Okay. Um, Fuck Jerry guys are terrible. Fuck Jerry's terrible. Oh, they, like, try to, like, make themselves, like, we're a premier marketing company. They had, like, just gotten into it. And they have a bunch of – they have a very, like – New York cool guy vibe, but it's New York cool guys who aren't cool to other guys in New York. Like, I think some of them obviously are. Like, they're kind of, like, in that influencer-y, like, sphere. But, like, I don't think other influencers think... A A lot of influencers are just people with, like, a lot of social anxiety who got you know, like, famous for, like, being able to make fun captions or, like, good outfits online. Like, I think this has been a thing since early YouTube days when Zoella used to talk about how socially anxious she was. A lot of people thrive on camera who don't thrive in real life. But I think what's interesting about New York is that there are people in New York making content for people who do not live in New York. Like, it's the gossip girl effect of, like, oh, I want to live there. I want to have those cool experiences. I want to walk around Soho. And, like, people who live in New York who make content just about their lives or, like, for other people who live here are, like, specific and stuff. And they're not being like, now I'm taking the subway. Like, it's just very different vibes. And I think it's very interesting that there's an entire cottage industry of people who just move to New York in order to make content for people who, like, live outside of New York to be envious of their cool New York life. But then the interesting thing about TikTok and, like, the democratization of comments is that real New Yorkers, and by real New Yorkers, I do include people like me who are just here and, like, don't engage with that level of, like, falseness. And I think that it also has to do with like the millennial up- uptick in like living our lives according to scripts. So I think Firefest fits into that script, but like, Carrie Bradshaw has, like, a real lasting impact, I think, on New York in the in the way that, like, there are people here who, like, don't take the subway because they think that it's, like, cooler to take an Uber everywhere. There are people who used to make, like, this blank is not a personality trait, is, like, one of my least favorite sentences, but, you know, like, brunch really was, like, a thing, the thing, and it still kind of is. Like, there is still a two-hour line every single Saturday and Sunday at Jack's Wife, Frida. And, like, that croque madame's not that good. You could get a better one somewhere, Without a line Um, That's the thing about New York There's a place everywhere Unless it's like A special day And you can't travel Outside of a certain area But like New York's really, easy. anyway, um, people are living their lives, like, according to script. Like, I remember learning that in the Obama administration at one point, like, two people walked down a hallway having a serious conversation, got to the end of it, and we were like, wow, we just West Winged and then, like, high-fived. And I think that that's how a lot of us are living our lives now, because we were latchkey kid. like, we were raised on TV in a very different way. And again, that TV was full of marketing. And so, like, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of millennials, like, more than ever went into marketing, but it also doesn't surprise me that marketing is the thing that exploded because everything became marketing. People are marketing their own lives and their own people and their thoughts and like they there's a woman in one of the documentaries who's saying like very sincerely like influencers are very brave people they're sharing things that like are very uncomfortable to share and i think that's true but i think a lot of times like we mistake like vulnerability for embarrassment on the internet and it's really a bummer. And I think everything being marketing is bad. People people becoming brands is bad. I don't think one person should hold all of that inside of them. Like, I think obviously we've always had brands named after people. Like, I think of like Marc Jacobs. But like, if Marc Jacobs, that's not a good example because like fashion. That in particular, he is so tied to his brand. Like, the whole aesthetic and like everything is his brainchild. But I think like people, like there's a reason that people don't always name their brand after themselves. And I think keeping your business self separate from like who you are, like the business decisions that you make. There's so many people who have made their lives, their identities now. And I just think that's a really dangerous way to live because what happens if that's not your identity anymore? What if you really want to change? And they can't. And I think a lot of people have crises about this. Like, and if they even change a little bit, there might be people in their comments saying you've changed. And then you have this whole new stressor of like, oh no, people might not like the new me. And if you you're selling yourself your money relies on people liking you or hating you but still engaging with your stuff and I think that that's where snark communities come into it and are just really fucking interesting as far as like what we consider like a like a punishment by prox like by like um Canceling online and canceling, like, uh, this is a complicated topic. I don't like people aren't really, you know, like, you could say people aren't canceling. Not, I don't mean in like, is cancel culture real? I just mean like, who do we cancel and how effectively and like, who we go after and the internet mob and all of that? Who deserves to be scammed? Getting back to that, I think, really, like, there are so many influencers who make shitty clothing lines, who sell their followers on stuff that they're not actually wearing. Influencers, like, it's so rare that I find an influencer whose, like, job is being an influencer, whose style I still think is, like, very authentic and, like, their own and unique, because so many of them just end up having to wear the outfits of the fucking clothes that are sent to them, and those are pre-picked by somebody else in order to sell them on a sale, and... I think we saw too much behind the scenes. We know how much PR they get. It's gross and it's weird to like show a bunch of people who like have to pay for a product, all of the free product and it was wasteful. And then we started caring about waste more and that's great. I think the PR packages got way too out of hand. They were actually like really bad for the environment. Shipping things is terrible for the environment and we need to have more conversations about that, but that would require people to change their behavior. And we're uncomfortable with asking people to change their behavior, even though a lot of our behaviors are unsustainable. We might just have to get used to not having certain fruits for a certain time of year and that's okay we will have other things to eat we will not starve if we do this we just might reduce our carbon footprint even the tiniest bit and like maybe farmers could also get like protections like the workers and the people who actually do the labor could get protections and then things would cost what they should cost but like all labor could be paid equivocally so like things should cost like correct and like the government subsidizes a lot of stuff and maybe we need to like figure out how the dairy industry could like move forward into like new industries as we learn more and more that like cow milk actually might not have all the health benefits that we thought it did originally and I still love cheese and I just I'm not saying that we should get rid of all the cows I'm just saying that maybe the dairy industry doesn't need to be the most heavily subsidized one and we could subsidize other things or we could I don't know just there's there's a lot of – and also more grocery stores um, in more places that are currently food deserts. I feel like we could figure that out. Um, I feel like we have a lot of capability in this country to do anything, not just start festivals from scratch, but to really do things. And I think that there's, like, a real um, just a deadlock that we've felt for so long, and it's so frustrating. And, like, I think – the public really wants progress, and I think that that's the most frustrating thing about the government not taking it seriously. And I think, like, we were really easily distracted for a few years there. There were things like the Firefest, Fest. There was a lot of um scammer stuff. And, like, documentaries were coming out every two fucking days. And there's so many true crime podcasts that are not good um, for, like, the soul or, like, the people who were affected by the crimes being described in the podcasts by people who are making jokes about it. It's just bad. It's a whole... Uh, um, um but like I think for a while we were really distracted and we were really sedated as a culture because like we had a bunch of stuff and people were like doing well enough that like a lot of people could buy designer bags and like have a thing to show off on Instagram and like honestly like it was I think a lot of people were having fun on social media it's just like the side effects are really damaging and very real and that's alarming and I think that that's it's something to just like really keep in mind. And I understand I'm saying this on a podcast that I am absolutely probably going to post a link to on my Instagram and my Twitter. You uh, know, like I don't try to cultivate followings on those because I'm uncomfortable with attention on social media because I think it is a really an authentic thing. I think this is an authentic expression of myself, but I've been talking for a really long time with a bunch of nuance and like jokes and, you know, like I'm, ugh. so it's just, it feels different. And I just feel like, I'm really concerned that social, like, I'm glad that we're kind of coming out the other side. I worry if that we're not coming out the other side fast enough. I think that, um, you know, if everything became fandom, including political parties. I think I have to get into that next week. I think I have to end it. I think I have to wrap up the fire fest. Is there anything? I took two pages of notes and I have not referenced them a single time. So that's cool. I think Fire Fraud is the less cool documentary, <laughs> but unfortunately, I think everything Fuck Jerry does well, they do well in the podcast. Fire Fraud goes into some of the higher-level scammers that were involved, and people like Aubrey McClendon, and honestly, I haven't, like, looked into this, but, like, is, is the crash suspicious that he was in? Because he was, like, one of the, like, most, like, wealthiest men in America. He gets indicted, and the next day he, like, dies in a fiery car accident with, like, no body recovered. Like, that just feels... Like, he is on an island that we don't know about now. You know? And I realize that I am speculating on a man who may have died a very horrific death, but apparently my thing in this is to speculate wildly and hypocritically and then just say that I'm doing that as if that excuses the behavior. And I'm going to leave this in, and it's getting too meta now. Um, health, wellness, and positivity. It was a really good marketing campaign. Just, like, the Suicide Squad marketing campaign was good. Doesn't mean that the product itself turned out well. Um... Keith the Pilot. Ooh, there were some characters. Um, Keith the Pilot uh, learned how to fly on a flight simulator. Microsoft Flight Simulator, it really works. Um, And honestly, his idea of bringing a bunch of people out to a cruise ship at night, I think a cruise ship would have worked. I think he was very smart in being like, you have to make sure that you can get a bunch of drunk people out onto a boat. But I think that probably could have been a decent plan. And then people would have had, like, staterooms. And they would have been small, but it would have been, like, fun. And cruise ships are really easy to, like, get a bunch of amenities on and they're kind of built for that. So I thought that was interesting. The toast that Billy gives of, they do it so many times in both docs. So watching them back to back, you see like six times. It's like living like movie stars, partying like rock stars. And then Ja would go like, and Billy, and Billy goes, and fucking like porn stars as if it's like the coolest thing in the world. And it's just so fucking corny. And I think the coolness is really interesting because like, can you distill it down to like an essence in somebody? Can anything be cool? Can things become cool if you're just like that committed and passionate about it? Like I think about this with musical theater, a lot because musical theater is inherently a very dorky thing. It's like not like it's not a cool thing. Like I think it's like I'm saying this is a musical theater nerd right? But like if it's done really well, if there is somebody on stage who's like really committing, really talented it becomes cool. So like is coolness in an essence? Is it in a person? Can people transfer coolness? You can't buy coolness but you can buy cool clothes. So I think like that is why the proximity to influencers is really interesting and like the desperateness vibes of a lot of millennial cultures very much on display in these. Um, I loved that they were complaining about all the models not tagging them on their bohemian vacation. I was like, good for those models. Um, I do think that the models deserve criticism for not hashtagging ad because that is one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. Um, I think it's fucking atrocious that the FTC does not do more to like protect consumers. Again, these are regulation issues. We should have way more regulations on ads on- online. And it was a nefarious thing. And, like, I do think that, yeah, I don't know that I expect them to do due diligence on every single product. But, like, when they were selling Fit Tea on Instagram, a lot of people had a lot of negative things to say about it. And we, like, I don't know that there was actually, like, enough pressure that it stopped. Those Fit Tea contracts must have been real good because they had a lot of fucking people who do not need that money pushing that shit. Um, But, like... With the hashtag ad stuff, I just feel like that's really important and that's a protection for a consumer. And I do think that they should be held accountable for that. Do I think that they knew that people would be stranded on an island? No, they were there to shoot a marketing campaign. But I do think that, like, fuck Jerry tries to, like, lump themselves in with, like, Haley Bieber. And it's, like, I think Haley Bieber just, like, got flown out and was told to, like take a couple shots, like, you know, posing on this beach over here, be in this video, swim in this water. Okay, cool. Will you post this on Instagram? Great, great, great. Whereas, like, fuck Jerry up until the last second was being told, like, can you guys ban the word flight and festival from the comments because we're getting so much negative press? And they're trying to spin it like we weren't customer service and they were trying to use us that way. But it's like you guys were blocking words. That had to do with people being like, hey, I haven't heard about my flight. Like, I think a lot of the reason that more people weren't stranded there is because they didn't actually get everybody fucking flights. Um, I love that the cheese sandwich took it down to talk about power of a photo. Talk about picture was worth a thousand words. You can, like, t- you can, that is a visceral photo. That texture on that cheese, whoo, it is shiny. Um... Billy is a toxically positive person. I think fire also is a lot more salacious. Like they talk about a lot more of like the um, stuff that they did with like customs in a way that like makes me just like feel like they're, they're being a little like wink winky. Um, Especially I think they thought it was very cool that it was Pablo Escobar's island. And the fact that the guy who owned the island previously, who was trying to distance it from that reputation, as like a drug running island was really pissed that they put it in the fucking ad and so they got the like their deal to buy an island fell through It's like yeah like not like you have to realize that actually like a lot of stuff that we think is cool and that we do glorify is actually deeply uncool because there was a lot of human suffering behind it i think like that's the thing with comfort too like we're gonna have to give up a lot of comforts that we become used to if we want the planet to survive because like yeah maybe we don't get to eat chocolate anymore I don't know what to tell you guys. I feel like we could make a synthetic chocolate. I feel like we could figure this out. But like if chocolate is causing that much human pain and suffering, I think we could figure out a different thing. I do. I don't know what it would be, but I trust us to do it. And I think that bottled water, you know, like there are just so many things that like if they went away tomorrow, we would figure it out. A carless New York, we would figure it out. It would be so nice. I would love a carless New York. Oh my God. So many buses. It would be so easy. I could go to Trader Joe's anytime I want. Like... I would bike if there were no cars in New York because the dangerous part about biking is the fucking cars. But, like, Ridgewood's really nice to bike around, and I see people biking all the time. I'm so jealous. I lived in Portland, and I didn't bike. Like, I'm not going to bike, but, like, if there were no cars, I probably would. My biggest fear is being hit by a car. I don't – yeah, it just doesn't seem worth it. Um – Grant, the employee, is off-putting in both docs, and I think he just radiates um, a lot of very desperate energy, and I'm very sad that Grant got a bad edit in both, but he is kind of comical in just his urgency about things, and I think we've all worked with an asshole like Grant, or known one if you worked in a WeWork. I feel like he was, like, one out of every five employees in those fucking buildings. Um, I want to know how much the models were paid... Yeah. I don't think anybody deserves to be scammed. I don't think people who bought clothes from influencers fashion lines deserve to be scammed, even though I do think it's dumb that they're spending $100 on a non-name brand, you know, piece of clothing that they have no quality control awareness over and that the seams don't line up on. I can judge them for that purchase all I want, but I don't think they deserve to be scammed because they're bad with money you know, Carolyn Calloway was selling art. I don't know how to price art. I talked to a friend about it. I still think that art pricing is like not a full scam, but like nobody's ever said I got a deal on this masterpiece. And so like money is like art is a, you know, high masterpiece art big name fucking prints and that kind of stuff like that's being put on your wall to be like look at this $80,000 that's hanging on my wall like you can appreciate art art is beautiful art collections are incredible I'm sure Dan if she's listening to this shout out to Dan is just I'm sure if my friend is listening to this he's just like fucking rolling his eyes so hard at me right now but like I just think that um you know, nobody's ever said I got to deal on this masterpiece, is my summation of art pricing. But with Caroline Calloway, like, yeah, people were spending, like, an, an incredible amount of money to buy these very silly pieces. But I can judge them for spending the money, but I I judge her more for not fulfilling the fucking mail to send these pieces out to people. Like, that is a scam. Like, like it or not that people spent the money, it's a scam if you don't deliver on the thing you promised. So, Firefest didn't deliver. Is it as bad as Theranos? no but a lot of people were harmed and um, particularly like the employees of the fire app were harmed and just suddenly let go. And um, it was really rough to hear their calls. And I really admire the person, the woman who was able to like stand up uh, on those calls and be like, so you're not going to fire us so we can get unemployment benefits. You're just going to make us quit. And then, says stuff about the FBI like she really comes after them and I think she's really fed up and it really is like a really interesting exercise in watching people decorum themselves into a corner cuz like no matter how many people were like hey this is bad nobody just walked away nobody tweeted out like i've been working on fire for like the last 6 months you guys shouldn't come like there were so many other options people keeping like my hands were tied and it's like yeah they were cuz you weren't getting your money but like you were trying to get money from this thing that like was actively harming other people and putting them in danger and like People are like, oh my God, you know, like 30 people descended on this little house that we're in demanding to be paid. And it's like, we haven't been paid either. And it's like, yeah, but like I side more with the fucking day laborers than I do with the tech bro who's flying in and out of the Bahamas. And like, he's getting yelled at by like Blink-182's manager about a font size. But these guys are actually like building physical things outside. And like their labor is just like a very different thing. And I understand that. But one of them is flying around in little private jets. So it's more important to me that the Bohemian day laborers get paid than the tech dude whose job is to promote music festivals as, like, his regular job. I bet he's got a nice little nest egg to fall back on. That's all I'm saying. So, I hope that I talked enough about Fire and didn't just go on 19 million tangents and um, self-deprecate even more at this final moment, but... Um, I have to go make pasta, and then I'm going to edit this, and then I'm going to post it, because I post things on Tuesdays, every Tuesday. Um, you can catch me back here on Smoke Show. I need to do a few episodes coming up. I think I should talk about fandom and political parties. I think I got into the politics a little bit today, and, like, maybe I'll do a political episode coming up, because I do have a lot to say on it, obviously. I do want to talk about BTS, too, so maybe I'll do an episode... <laughs> soon on that got a lot to say got a lot to say korea's the korean defense minister's pulling some shit with their enlistment today um just let those it's if they allow olympians to not to not complete their service i just don't understand why you wouldn't allow the band that like is responsible for a percentage of the gdp but I understand. I am not Korean. I do not get to really have like an out. Like a my opinion does not matter on BTS's enlistment. Of course, I'm fucking biased. I don't. I don't think they should have to go away for 18 months to the military to serve their country when they've already like very actively served their country as actual diplomats with diplomatic passports. So anyway, that's just my two cents that don't matter on that. Um, anyway, I'm gonna go make pasta. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Um, you can follow me on Twitter if you'd like to. My thing is at HiClaire, high hi high with two eyes. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram if you want to. Um, it's oh, high Claire with the normal amount of eyes and hi. Um, and you can definitely subscribe to the newsletter. Um, at smokeshow.substack.com. If you're listening to this through the newsletter, um, send out. Thank you so much for subscribing. That's fucking awesome. It blows my mind that people are actually, like, listening and reading uh, things that I say. But I keep putting them out there, so I shouldn't be that surprised by it. But yeah, here we are. Um, duality. Uh- <laughs> So feel free to follow me. Feel free. If you have anything, suggestions, comments, if I said anything and then didn't finish the tangent and you'd like me to, let me know. Um, You can do that through email. You can comment. You can send me a text if you have my number because that's probably who's listening to this. Um, And dear God, if you are a friend who's listening to this, like, thank you for hanging out with me for an extra hour and 20 minutes during the week without my knowledge. So anyway, have a great day. (laughs) This was so (laughs) Um, have a great day. I'll probably talk about scammers again in the future because I have a lot to say about scammers. Um, but Billy McFarlane, definitely a scammer, Firefest huge scam, but kind of like an interesting one to watch unfold and documentaries should always come out in twos so we can see how many sides of the story they're telling and not telling. Okay. Have a great night, day. You can tell when I'm recording this. Bye.